Welcome to Scooby Shack Radio, episode 71, recorded Monday, November 8th, 2021. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Well, hello again, everyone, and thank you for listening to Scuba Shack Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Centropino. We are just one week away from leaving for Dima in Las Vegas. Matthew and I will be heading out on Monday the 15th and really looking forward to the show kicking off on Tuesday the 16th. I have a full schedule outline and can't wait to hook up with so many people out there. The energy that you get from an in-person event can't be matched. I know that the Boston Sea Rover show back in early October was a great way to get back to a more normal world. I know that I would come back from DEMA with the same energy and motivation that I experienced at the Boston Sea Rovers. So for all of those who are choosing not to attend this year, I hope you recognize down the line that this is really an important event to be at. Just one more week to go. Now, Donna and I are also back from our trip to Pompano Beach in Florida and our excursion to Riviera Beach, where we got to dive at the Blue Heron Bridge. In this episode, I will have another installment of Your Next Dive, where I'll take you to Pompano Beach. We'll talk about the Blue Heron Bridge in a future episode. But before I get to that, let's get started with our news and information segment, Wet Notes. This is Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio for Monday, November 8th, 2021. First up today, I want to tell you about a new ebook about scuba diving that has just been released. It is called 101 Tips for Scuba Divers, and it is written by Dan and Betty Orr. Now, if you've been around scuba diving for a while, you will recognize Dan and Betty. I remember when I first started diving, Dan was the president of Divers Alert Network. He has more awards than you can count. Betty also worked at Dan and was their vice president of insurance operations before retiring. She is also an inaugural inductee into the Woman Divers Hall of Fame. Now, the book is filled with valuable safety tips for both new and experienced divers. You can get 101 Tips for Scuba Divers by Dan and Betty Orr online at the Apple Bookstore, Amazon, or at wisediver.com. It retails for $9.99. A couple of weeks ago, we got a message from Shearwater. It seems that the supply chain issues are catching up with them as well as the rest of the scuba industry. Currently, there are some key components backlog related to the Peregrine computer. When we got that message, they said that they expected about a 12-week delay before they would have all the components and be able to ship out the Peregrine again. 
If my math is correct, 12 weeks would put that sometime around the first or second week of January. Now that doesn't bode well for anyone who might have been expecting a peregrine for Christmas. But you shouldn't be deterred. I am confident that Shearwater will get back on track and deliveries will get back online as soon as possible. If I get any more information, I'll pass it along. Until then, if you have your mind dead set on a peregrine for Christmas, hang on just a few weeks longer. Do you miss Alert Diver magazine? Well, I sure do. The last edition that I received was the second quarter 2021 edition. I wasn't sure if I had somehow fallen by the wayside of the physical magazine and into the digital world. So I reached out to Divers Alert Network to check on the situation. I got a message back from Jeff Wilkins from Dan's Membership Services. And Jeff said that the third and fourth quarter issue is combined and that it will be out right about now. I really look forward to each edition of Divers Alert Network's magazine, Alert Diver. It is so well done, and that alone is worth the price of membership. So if you're like me and worried about having missed an issue, don't worry. Dan is on top of things, and the 2021 combined third and fourth quarter editions of Divers Alert magazine was on the way. Can't wait to see what they have packed into this one. Have you ever heard of Osborne Reef? Well, I hadn't until I was out on the Four Ocean website. You see... Back in the early 1970s, a group of sport fishermen thought it would be a good idea to create an artificial reef off of Fort Lauderdale using old tires. What could possibly go wrong? Well, they banded about 2 million tires together with steel and nylon straps and dumped them in the ocean. The steel corroded over time and the nylon fell apart, and now the tires travel around with the currents, waves, and storms as projectiles that are tearing up the reef. Before Ocean has stepped up to clean up a 34-acre site just north of Osborne Reef, where hundreds of thousands of tires have migrated. To fund this initiative, they have created the Osborne Reef Bracelet, and it is made with pieces of the tires removed from the reef. Now, I should be getting mine soon. Check it out. Go to 4Ocean website and click on the Osborne Reef menu item. The latest edition of Scuba Diver magazine is now available, digitally anyway. The November issue is all about readers' choice in dive travel. Normally, they do this issue based on a one-year survey, but due to the pandemic, this one takes a look at readers' feedback from the last three years. It covers diving, resorts, liveaboards, and more, and features locations all around the world. It's always fun to take a look at the list and see where you've been, or where you might consider going. It's also interesting to find that some of your favorite dive operators or locations are not on the list. Check out the November issue of Scuba Diving Magazine and stand by for the December issue, which is normally dedicated to dive gear. And finally, I've been a fan of Stuart Cove's Last Man Diving since it started. Always get a chuckle from these short two to four minute segments based on Tim Allen's Last Man Standing. Well, Stewart is back with several new installments. Two of the installments center, center around his new facility. Another installment is about, is about a zombie apocalypse. 
Stuart is at the old ruins of his old dive shop and being chased by zombies. It's all a dream, and he wakes up at his new place. It was great to get these new installments and get a glimpse of what the new operation will look like. Hopefully, it might be ready when we get there next May. And I'm looking forward to catching up with Stuart in a couple of weeks out at Thema. Well, that's it for this installment of Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio. On today's installment of Your Next Dive, I'm going to talk about our recent trip to Pompano Beach. I'm going to cover our dive at Blue Heron Bridge in a later installment because there's just so much to cover. Earlier this year, we were trying to set up an October trip for the dive shop. We normally try to have this trip in October every year. Last year, our trip to Bonaire was, well, you know. And this year, we just weren't sure how travel would shape up with all the restrictions, testing, and whatnot. So, I decided, let's go to Florida. The next choice was where? Now, I really, really, really like Key Largo and thought about going there. But we decided to try someplace different, someplace that I hadn't been before. And that was Pompano Beach. And going to Pompano Beach would also give us a chance to venture up to the Blue Heron Bridge, one of our bucket list dives. Now, one of the nice things about heading to Florida from Connecticut for diving is that there are direct flights, especially to Fort Lauderdale. The flight is just about three hours. From Fort Lauderdale Airport, you can easily head south to Key Largo, or in this case, take a short 20-minute ride up to Pompano Beach. I find the Fort Lauderdale Airport a lot better to get to and around than Miami. They could, however, use some better signage once you exit the terminal. I always seem to be challenged about where to find the bus to the rental center. So for this trip, we decided to stay at the Sands Harbor Resort, located in the Sands Harbor Marina, and a short walk to South Florida Diving Headquarters. If you plan on renting a car and taking it to Sands Harbor, just be ready for an additional charge. You need to pay $19 a night plus tax to park your car there. It was a bit of a surprise to get that extra $120 charge for the six-night stay. Their bar and restaurant on the intercoastal waterway is pretty good. We had brunch and dinner there once and also frequented the bar after dining at some of the other local establishments all within walking distance. The room was decent enough and what I expected for a place that does cater to somewhat to divers. We had a great balcony on the corner of the eighth floor, great views and, and great sunshine on the balcony. Being on the eighth floor was a challenge on one day when the elevator broke down. Luckily, it was fixed pretty quickly and we could get our dive gear back up to our room. It was a bit of disappointment in the Wi-Fi at the hotel. It was spotty and kept kicking in and out, and that was very frustrating in this day and age. 
I'm not sure if it would be my first choice going forward, but it was very convenient to the dive shop. Now, we booked our diving with South Florida Diving Headquarters. I would like to say that everything went smoothly and that there weren't any issues, but that wasn't the case. Let's just say that if you're going to go diving in South, with South Florida Diving Headquarters, you need to adjust your expectations, especially if you're used to diving with operators like Sunset House or Stewart Cove. My overall impression is that they cater more towards local divers, and from what I could gather, they routinely shuffle people with other operators. In our case, we went out one day with the scuba time boat located right alongside South Florida Diving Headquarters boats. So be prepared to be moved if you book with them. To be fair, I originally booked 10 spots when I made the reservation in July, but subsequently pared it down to five, which was, and we did that 10 days before we headed out. But they also contracted out their big boats to the Fort Lauderdale Boat Show, and that was a surprise. One of the nice things that they do is that they all, they, you, you'll do all your waivers online, and you can fill one out for each day of diving before you head down. That makes it convenient. However, they never asked to see our certification cards or our, or our nitrox cards, and we were all diving nitrox. Not sure if they did a dive check on us or not. Also, we didn't understand how they dealt with analyzing nitrox. On the scuba time boat, they had an analyzer, so we were all able to analyze our tanks. That was not the case for South Florida Diving Headquarters. You're going to need to ensure that you analyze your tank just outside the fill station before they bring it down to the boat. They said they didn't have an analyzer on board because either it was stolen in the past or it might get stolen. Now, I didn't think that was a good answer. I figured from now on, I'm going to take my own analyzer with me so I don't get caught short. We were a little taken aback by what seemed like too casual an approach to nitrox. Now, roll calls were also a little spotty. Some days we had a roll call before leaving the dock. Other days we did not. And there were never any roll calls or check-ins in after the dive. Again, we were a little surprised by this. Perhaps they are so used to locals that they figure everything would be okay. But things happen. The boat crews were very personable and gave some very good dive briefs. They were very adept at getting people in and out of the water and addressing issues. There were a couple of issues with rental gear for some of our divers, like a first stage leak and a mouthpiece coming off again. Again, these things shouldn't happen. Luckily, I had a spare mouthpiece in my, in my spare part kit. Now, the diving was excellent. We got to dive the Okinawa wreck with tons of fish life on it, the SS Copenhagen wreck, and it's, that's an outstanding shallow wreck, and the reefs are in very good shape with lots of barrel sponges and all the common fish life, along with a lot of juveniles. We got to dive the nursery, razzle-dazzle twice, touchdown reef, and sun-kissed reef. The visibility was consistently between 60 and 80 feet, and the water temperature was a very comfortable 82 to 83 degrees Fahrenheit. I can see why so many people like diving off Pompano Beach. And it was great to get back in the water again. You won't be at a loss for dining. 
we really liked the foundry, which was just across the bridge, so much so that we ate there three times. Also, we had dinner at the Lucky Fish, which was right on the beach, and for Italian food, you can't beat Carlucci's. The prices were very reasonable. Pompano Beach is certainly a great place where you can go diving and really enjoy your diving. Just set your expectations appropriately and remember it's a little bit less of a dive resort and more catered towards local diving. Next time on Your Next Dive, we're going to talk about the Blue Heron Bridge. What a dive! Well, I hope you enjoyed this latest episode of Scuba Shack Radio. Next week this time, I'll be on my way to Dima. I'm really looking forward to getting out there, and we'll tell you all about it down the road. Until then, thanks again for listening to the podcast, and I'll be back again in a couple of weeks with more Scuba Shack Radio. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Talk to you next time. <laughs>